Welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. My name is Lisa Beyer, and I will be your host. Today's guest is Jabez Labret. He is one of my favorite fellow speakers, marketers, and entrepreneurs. Jabez and I have shared the stage for full-day master's workshops probably about four years in a row for the PubCon Internet Marketing Conference, where we hosted an audience workshop teaching business owners, entrepreneurs, and internet marketers how to apply social media marketing best practices to their strategies. But today, Jabez and I catch up talking about public relations. Oh, I didn't mention that Jabez is also a Forbes contributor. So he is also constantly getting pitched by public relations professionals on story angles. So in this episode, Jabez and I talk about some of the worst pitches he's received, the best pitches, and tips and tricks on how to approach whether you're pitching a Forbes contributor, business insider, or an industry publication, how to get through to the media and have them listen to you to write about your brand or your story or your news. This episode was previously recorded when I hosted Jabez as my guest on the Mastermind Group by Cat Howell. So you might note that we might be talking to a different audience, but nonetheless, this is a very relevant topic and Jabez shares some extremely valuable tips when it comes to public relations and more. Welcome, Jabez. Hi, and how are you doing today? Um, hopefully everybody's having a happy day or a happy night, depending on what time zone you are, you are in. So I'm Lisa Beyer, and hopefully you know me by now. I've been part of the group for the past month and bringing you um, opportunities to get media, media outreach and publicity and guest post articles. And once a week, I'm going to come on with, um, I have office hours, and sometimes I'll have a pop-up with a special guest like today, Jabez Labray. Hey, Jabez, how are you? Hey, everybody. Um, so I thought Jabez would be perfect to, um, to, to be our guest because Jabez has been a um, multitude of um, professions, but the, the most that he has in common is he was an agency owner, for, and I'll let him tell a little bit more about that, and also a journalist. So Jabez is going to, and I are going to talk about, and he's going to share with us secrets behind pitching and how to get the most out of um, pitching to a journalist and do's and don'ts. So Welcome, Jabez, and I'm coming from Celebration, Florida. Where are you, Jabez? What time I'm are you? I'm in San Diego. Awesome. So we're, we're in two, two wonderful places on the, the bottom corners. Okay, great. Yeah, we are. And um, so if you are watching us live, I would love if you would just put in the comments where, what city you're tuning in from and maybe your name. And if you have any questions throughout this Facebook Live, um, please go ahead and put them in the comments because that's what we're here for. We're here to answer any questions live. And even after the live, if you're watching the recorded version, that's fine too. Go ahead and put any questions in the comments and I'll circle back and try to, to answer those. Um, so Jabez, tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, I uh, started off in the corporate world and then like a lot of entrepreneurs jumped um, out of there and, and started getting into my own uh, gigs, ultimately ended up founding an agency that did primarily digital marketing. Um, we'd worked only with law firms. And so I had a, a business partner and he and I, we had a, just over 20 staff. Um, and then I sold that agency about a year and a half ago, two years, two years ago now um, to pursue a new career in education. Um, which is really exciting. So working with high school students, um, which is a little bit more of a passion project. And for the last 
12 years now. I've been a journalist as well. So I started off writing for NBC uh, for the Chicago, um, NBC Chicago affiliate, and then uh, transferred over to Forbes and have had some pieces um, uh, seen in, in other publications throughout the years, uh, kind of one-off uh, freelance pieces. Great. And so I think, you know, a major thing that you have in common with our group is that um, everybody in this group is an uh, agency owner, um, Facebook marketing agency owner. And we're here to um, help establish their personal brand and also their, um, their company brand and also discover different ways to get publicity and reaching out to journalists. We're helping them reach out to journalists, but you know, then to go out on their own and do it themselves. Because I can say, I mean, even though I am a PR agency owner, the best publicity comes from when you're focused on it from within. So learning how mm -hmm. to figure out those PR opportunities on your own and coming from the owner that always works the best. That's not to say that, you know, an agency can't help and assist. So, um, you know, just as an agency owner, when you're an agency owner, what what were some of the things that you you would do to try to get publicity and then we can talk about the flip side of it. You know, you're on the journalist side and you see what's coming in as pitches. Yeah. When I owned uh, my agency, one of the biggest avenues that we used to produce um, uh, publicity was to partner with other uh, folks in our industry to provide thought provoking pieces for publications. So we were in the legal industry, which meant um, you know, we had Bloomberg Law, uh, AM Law, there was like publications that were specific, you know, the ABA Journal that were specific to our target market. And the way that I attacked my PR um, for the most part was to go after lawyers or law firms who were doing a really good job and then kind of partner with them to produce a piece where I would interview them or I would use them as a case study or I would, it might be our clients, it might not be our clients. Um, and then that I would be able to approach like the ABA journal and say, hey, I've got this really interesting piece that I think your audience will find valuable because here's a law firm that's doing something really well. Here's why it's working really well from an agency perspective and how you could apply it yourself. And that was our um, how we entered into the kind of the PR sphere with our our agency. And um, what what kind of successes like what were what were some of the like big outcomes from that that you well, it started small. So we had a ton of pieces that were featured in like, you know, the Omaha, Nebraska Bar Association or the, you know, Kansas State Bar Association, <laughs> like these, the Wyoming State Bar, which probably had like, you know, 500 members total. And, and they were these small bar associations that had their own publications that were desperate for content. And we were, I was giving them content, like unique pieces of content just to provide out to their audience. And as time went on, that content led us to bigger and bigger publications and where eventually I got published in the ABA journal with my own piece without yeah. any collaboration with anybody else, but it definitely started off much smaller. Uh, yeah. And that has been my experience too. I mean, when we start with, with new clients that really don't have any track record of any media coverage, it's always easier to start with the smaller publications and kind of get your, you know, kind of get your feet wet and how to deal with the journalist and how to deal with the, the different publications. And then it seems like once you get one, even like a local community type of um, piece, um, you know, that might be have some online syndication to other community papers. And then you, it seems like the next level up is like the local business section. And mm -hmm. then it's more of regional and then industry. And then, you know, 
it's this momentum building the thing. associations and the yeah and so i mean there's lots of places to publish and they're all looking for good content for their their audience um i i never felt like i was like i was worth more than the place i was pitching you know like i'm not like my, my jobs to provide value and and to give back to the community that I serve and that, that are my customers. And so all of those little pieces add up over time. And so then when I eventually went to approach the bigger people, the bigger publications, I was able to say, look, here's 22 pieces of content that we have produced for all of these other associations and little publications and little legal magazines. And so if you want to get a flavor of what we what we're like, here's, but it's such a credibility builder to be able to have all of those little ones, even if it's the Wyoming State Bar Association, um, that still matters because it shows that somebody else was willing to publish your stuff publicly. Definitely. And I mean, this, the masthead logo that you can use, you know, as a, from a credibility standpoint, once you get that guest post or that coverage, um, you know, that just, it doesn't matter what the logo is. And I think the biggest, for me, the biggest misconception is, you know, that you have to go big right away and get that big hit in USA Today or, you know, Wall Street Journal or even Forbes or Fortune that that's maybe not going to get you the the most return on your investment, really um, not return on investment, but it's it return on efforts. Yeah. Right? Return on like effort, it takes yeah. work to do yeah. this stuff. And, and to be honest, at that point, you're, you're buttressing up against somebody like that does have that. So yeah. you're probably not the only one pitching that. And I'm sure we'll get to this. The only one pitching that journalist at the larger publication. And if, if you don't have the resume showing the backing of it, compared to somebody else who does, it's a harder sell. It's not that you can't, it's just that's one less thing that you have to use to get yeah. the, the publication. And then you end up, you got start, then you start getting interviewed by other people. And yeah. then you start getting invited to podcasts. And then yeah. you start getting, so like, if you do all of the massive little work, you know, there's somebody who's doing something in that state or in that local area that's gonna say, man, I read that article, I thought that was interesting. Can I interview you? And then that is another layer of credibility, which is, oh, and not only did I publish this, but I got interviewed by this person here and this person here and this person here. Um, you know, it kind of starts to build momentum, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, definitely. So if you're just joining us on the live, um, I'm Lisa Bayer, and I'm happy that you're joining us. And I'm here with Jabez. And Jabez um, was an agency owner. He's now gone off and he started his next venture that you can tell us about at the end, Jabez. Um, but he also was a former, well, he, he still is a journalist. You still have your Forbes um, column. Yeah. And so he's giving us um, tips on how to get publicity and how to also pitch the media, um, his experience being on the pitching side. Please put any comments, um, questions in the comments. We'd love to hear them or just say, hey, and make sure you put your name in there because I can't really see your names because of privacy and the mm -hmm. Facebook groups. So hi, if you're joining us. Um, so Jabez, being on the front lines of getting pitches as a journalist, tell us what that is like. Inundating? <laughs> I don't, I mean, it's constant. Like I, I get, I get pitched daily, multiple times a day by random generic. Sometimes it's for old columns that I don't even write anymore. And I can tell it's just my email address and name was associated with something, you know, like NBC, I'll get pitched for them every once in a while or you know, I'm like, I don't even write for them anymore. And so clearly you didn't do any research. Um, and so it, it makes the process on the journal side, journalist side of the fence um, kind of challenging because I am looking for content. Like I need access to more content. I never have 
access to, to content that aligns with what I'm trying to, to talk about. Um, and so that, that is a problem, but it's not getting solved by the spaghetti against the wall approach that seems to still be happening. So if you put your agency owner hat back on, so what would you do? What would you tell an agency owner to do to get, to get publicity, to break through the clutter of pitching or writing a guest post article? Yeah, I would really, uh, I would target one thing that we did early on is we targeted the people that we knew we wanted to be in their publications once we had a resume that we felt was worthy enough to approach them. And so, you know, there was like in the legal space, there's a publication called The Lawyerist, and it's one of the more popular blogs in the legal sphere. And Sam Glover is the guy who is you know, co-founder co there. And so we'd, we'd hunt him out at conferences to say hi. And I followed him on Twitter and LinkedIn. And, you know, like I would reshare his stuff and I would comment on his posts and I would like, you know, I would I would engage him in his world to get an idea of what he is like and what he's about. Um, you know, eventually you end up at drinks after, you know, a long day at a conference and, you know, you're in Chicago and you're, you know, talking about it and you're like, you know, how do I, how do I get into your, you know, this is some interesting stuff. How do, what do I do to get into places like yours? Um, you know, that's one avenue to go. The other avenue is, is literally defining a problem that the, the audience has and then framing up why you've got an answer to help that journalists get more views. I mean, that's kind of at the end of the day, not what the only thing that matters, but like every journalist wants their stuff to be read. Yeah. And, and every piece has to match their audience. And so you really have to understand what does that audience look like? And, and that's not as easy as it sounds like to figure out this publication that I want to go after that I want to get published for this either association or you know the business journal in that town or whatever the publication is, what is that specific audience and what are the needs and solutions that you can, information you can give them? It's not about you, it's about imparting information. Yeah, and I think the first example that you gave is, it actually reminds me, I was interviewing somebody today that they own their husband and wife team and they own a major, um, very popular podcast. And I said, you know, how, what do you recommend for, for, for PR people to, or for, you know, somebody that wants to be on your podcast, how do we get on? And he basically said, like, it boiled down to, you have to have a personal relationship with us for us to even consider you. They don't even look at the emails. They don't even look at the pitches. It's yeah. all about, you know, did I meet you at a conference or did somebody introduce us? But he said that they never get a pitch that's through email. That's cold. It's so I think it just to your point as well, you have to build a personal relationship with the person that you're trying to to pitch if it's really, you know, somebody that's important to you or an outlet yeah, for that's the, important. The top tier, for sure. Like the upper echelon of the upper echelon, it does take a personal relationship to get there. There is a huge pool of people that are not, that that's not necessary. Um, you know, and I think that it's, when I was in, when I was running an agency, I kind of had the wrong idea at the beginning that there was more value in me putting in way more work to get on CNN to try to talk about what we were doing. <laughs> when I was like, why would I spend all of these hours trying to muscle my way into a, you know, 90 second interview where I should just be 
writing some articles that are getting in front of all of my target clients, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like on a regular basis, instead mm-hmm. of really focusing on the, the big, big, big one, I went the other, definitely went the, the other route, which was come up the bottom and work, work my way up. Yeah. And those are the types of outlets that convert for you relationship. Yeah. Return on the relationship and getting the conversions of your audience, right? They convert way better because yeah. they're, they're specific, they're niche to your target. Yeah. So talk, let's talk about like conversion. So when you were in, when you had your agency and you did get this, you know, publicity and these guest post articles and these different things that you were doing with your industry associations, um, how did you see the results? Like how, how long did it take for you to say, okay, this is really working? That is really a challenging thing. So any agency is very familiar with running metrics on conversion rates, right? And so when you think about like social media posting is a great example. And I was remembering back to like when we would be presenting at conferences or something, you know, PubCon or SMX or wherever, like years ago and talking about how difficult it is to measure the direct ROI on a Facebook post back when you could post and actually get seen without having to pay. And I feel like your media mentions and your articles that you may be publishing somewhere also do carry a little bit of a, a challenge in figuring out what's the direct ROI exactly. Cause rarely are you putting in a link and in, in tracking your click through rate through an article that you wrote. That's not, that's a bad article. Like that, that generally does not read well um, if, it, if it's really a call to action kind of article. So since they're generally more passive and it's more you sharing knowledge base, you have to take into account a much broader sense of return. So how many speaking engagements did your, were you able to capture an increase in speaking engagements because you were able to show that you were a journalist or you had, you know, featured pieces here that gave you credibility? How many times were you walking around a conference and somebody said, hey, I read that article. That's a big win right there, right? So that's top of mind awareness. What is that worth? When you show up somewhere and they're like, oh yeah, you're everywhere. When you hear that phrase, you suddenly know you have reached the, the level of ROI you're looking for. When someone at a conference says, oh, you're Jabez, I see you everywhere. That means that I have reached critical mass on my, my PR efforts um, within the industry because I'm starting to get that sort of feedback. And so it's not a direct correlation to I published 18 pieces and I can say with a, an equation that I got X amount of results. There's a lot more to those um, to that question, then now you do see spikes. So if you monitor your, your Google analytics, you will absolutely see spikes in activity following media out, yeah. you know, for sure. No question about it. And you can track those conversions. I think that's falling short of a true ROI. Yeah. And I, that's I think just one piece of the puzzle. Yeah, definitely. And I just think, you know, just as an agency owner and also as a PR agency owner, so I'm dealing with my own publicity, I'm dealing with my clients' publicity. You know, the biggest mistake I think I see, you know, business owners in general making is just, oh, we're just going to try out PR and see if it works for a few months, or we're going to try, you know, writing this one guest post article and see what happens. And you really can't measure anything from just dipping your toe in the water. Like it's, it's just like, a health regimen, you know, it's something that you are constantly doing that it's like, you know, investing in organic. I like to compare it to like investing in your SEO is going to be, you know, it'll have that momentum. Even when, when, if you stop for a little bit, you're, it's going to keep going and keep going. You know, I've been eating pizza once a week for a while and it's showing 
I can see the results. <laughs> um, so, so give us some some tips if you don't have a relationship with somebody and and you know you just want to get through to a, a journalist. Are there ways to kind of break through the clutter that at least if you're going to you know email yep. or you're going to try to reach out? What what are some some tips you can give us? Big time. Uh, a couple things. Immediately follow them on Twitter and start retweeting their stuff and comment comment on their stuff about the stuff it's that they so obvious to me. literally like, say interesting piece on dyslexia i thought this part of the article was really impactful or something like don't just bs the mention like actually read the article yeah um and then just email with like either a question about an article or a clarification or a like additional information those are ones that i tend to probably open more often than others when i'm like clarification on x piece i'm like oh honestly i'm always like crap did i like misquote something or did i <laughs> did i do something wrong um and then generally if that person's adding value to what i'm doing that is a really good introduction and yeah. so if they're like hey like i really thought this was interesting have you seen these resources and so i had one person recently i wrote an article about text to speech and dyslexia and education because I'm now in the, the K-12 space. And so this is a problem in K-12. Like, how do you help people who can't read? How do you use technology to help people who struggle with reading? And it was, a, you know, it was a fun piece to write. And somebody emailed me and said, hey, have you seen these other things that people are using? Because you didn't mention them in your article. And I was like, oh, actually, I have not. That is interesting. I didn't uncover that in my research. And they said, oh, well, you know, here's some, here's some resources that I've compiled for it. And so that was really useful information. And then I can, he, that person went one step further into a really like super ninja secret. I don't know if we want to share like ninja level secrets. Yeah, I'll keep on... sure. <laughs> okay, so what, 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 then what this guy did, and he's young, he's like 24, 25. And what, and he owns a company in San Francisco that gives away uh, free text-to-speech software um, to students and they have kind of a back-end rev, rev model. This real interesting, but he uh, Googled my name for recent posts, like like put my name in quotes so that it was pulling up only the returns of my name and then only did within the last month and saw that I was speaking at the ASU GSV education conference, which is one of the bigger conferences in K-12 education um, and post-secondary. And so he said, oh, so then he replied and he said, I see you're speaking at ASU GSV. I've never been is this a conference you think I should go to? And I was like, yeah, I was like, it's a great conference. This is what it's about. You know, you should definitely go. And then he's like, okay, well, I booked my ticket to go. I'm coming to the conference. Do you have time for coffee? And that that's like, what are you going to say? <laughs> high level? Like, yeah. Like, and, and why wouldn't I, like, if yeah. you're willing to put in that much effort yeah. to sit down and talk about, and, and there's alignment. So I write about education. You are in education. So there's a definite alignment there. And you weren't saying, would you publish a piece about me? Hmm. Not once did he say, I would like to be published in Forbes. Are you just said, hey, can him? we talk? Can we get to, of course I'm going to cover him. Yeah. Like, absolutely. No question. I'm a dedicated piece just to him and what he's doing because what he's doing is awesome. And I now know that because we spent 20 minutes having a beer at the conference. That'll do it. And that did it, you know, <laughs> and, and he hopefully, if he's smart and because I really like him and he's scrappy, I said, Hey, take this piece and leverage it to go get more pieces. 
like use use this moment yeah. that's coming yeah. in time. And so, yeah. yeah, I, you know, it definitely works. Yeah. And you touched on something else that um, I w didn't even think that we would be talking about, but I think it's important to point out how speaking at conferences really helps your, your build your brand, your company brand, your personal brand, your thought leadership. And it happens when you do speak at conferences or even webinars or online events. Uh, typically, there's somebody there that is going to you know, cover it in some way, shape, or form, or you can have somebody cover it, maybe, you know, from your team, live tweet it, um, so that there's ways to use an event that to help get you coverage or help get you in front of possible, um, you know, industry outlets that are going to be there. And you don't have to be the most amazing speaker, and you don't have to keynote the conference. Just get on a panel. Like, yeah, like panels are easy. Yeah, and people think like, oh, well, I don't know if I can do that or if that's I got enough value to add. And I'm sure that you've learned something cool and yeah. be really transparent about like the neat stuff you're doing, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and you will get invited back to speak again if you share really, really cutting edge, front edge stuff. To, because to be honest, somebody else is probably doing the same thing. Yeah. Like in the agency world, every time I thought I had uncovered something that was truly amazing that no one else had ever heard of. Of course, somebody came up and was like, oh, I'm doing the same thing, but kind of a little different. And they would like have a little tweak. And I was like, of course they are. So why not share everything I'm doing? Yeah. And I mean, also, if you show that you're supporting the conference. So, I mean, Jabez and I go way back. We, I don't know how many different, how many years we did PubCon, the full day yeah. master's workshop, maybe four or five years in a row. Five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the way that we got to be even to that point is because we showed dedication to that conference before and created the relationship, but in other ways that, you know, you don't have to be teaching a full day workshop to do this. If you're going to be speaking on a panel or just speaking at an event, do publicity ahead of time to help support that event or that conference. So, you know, Hey, Lisa Byer speaking at PubCon, I, I used to do a press release and I would start tweeting about it four months before to try to get, you know, not just my name out there, but help get the event or the conference's name out there to my audience, which would help them because obviously there has to be a fit. And you can use that later after the event's over to pitch the media and yeah. say, hey, I presented on a panel about this. Mm -hmm. These neat things were brought up and this cool information. I would think your audience would benefit from learning this. Definitely. So you're not promoting your agency. Like never ever was I like, hey, I would like to write an article for your audience because my agency is really awesome and your audience should know the cool stuff we're doing because that's an advertisement. That's mm -hmm. not an article. You want to say, hey, you know, we uncovered a really interesting um, you know, nuance in Google Analytics for blank and it's impacting these businesses and you write about those businesses. Yep. That's a very compelling pitch. And then, of course, and the flip side of it is they talk about who you are, what you do, and ask them to make sure they put a link in the article. Like, you know, there's kind of the basics that you should go through with once you've gotten approved to write. But I think that that initial step of getting broken into the people that you don't know is you need some credibility and don't try to pitch them about your business that they should be covering your business. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Help them, help them solve a problem for their audience. Yeah. So you are writing for Forbes. You have your column. That's is it monthly that you write, or how often? I do now. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, I hear this at my level, like just being in PR, that it's like, oh, 
you know, like, is there a difference between getting um, a story with a Forbes contributor versus a Forbes writer? And then, um, you know, that, how do you also, how do you become a Forbes contributor if you wanted mm -hmm. to be? So, I mean, is there any, like, to me, it's like, I've seen lots of trending, very popular articles that are um, by Forbes contributors that mm -hmm. are on the Forbes, like technically staff. So can you like kind of just share with us, like, you know, yeah. what are like, break that difference up for us. So there's in the Forbes world, there are four types of writers. There's the staff writer mm -hmm. that works for Forbes. They are an employee. There's the contributor with publisher access. So that's like me, I can go write and publish something right now on Forbes and hit publish and it's live immediately. There's the contributor who occasionally contributes as a thought leader through an editor. Very rare, there's not a lot of those anymore. And then there's the Forbes Council, which is people who pay to write. So like organizations might pay to be in the Forbes Council and they get to publish articles. Um, they go in that order of uh, rank and file of kind of weight, but with a caveat. The staff writer and the contributor with publisher access are almost equal, almost the exact same. And oftentimes my article will outpace the Forbes staff writer because mm -hmm. my articles, I don't have to write as much. Mm -hmm. So they're a little bit more thought out. Um, the other side of the fence, the, the occasional contributor and then the, the paid people are always at the bottom. So don't, I wouldn't pay for the council access because it doesn't really get you much in the way of eyeballs. Um, you know, and so that, that's kind of, if you can get a Forbes contributor to write for you, it's, it's, it's a good thing. It didn't always used to be. So there was a point in time where Forbes and Inc and entrepreneur were accepting anyone who had a pulse that could write or was writing anywhere. They were begging them to write for them, HuffPo, all of them. And we've been seeing a culling of the ranks. So a ton of Forbes contributors got let go like thousands got let go. Um, so now the Forbes contributor is a much harder thing to get than it was four years ago, maybe five years ago. Um, the best way to get in to these publications uh, is A, obviously an introduction helps, but that doesn't even necessarily get you there because I've introduced a lot of people and to my senior editors and almost none of them ended up getting through the introduction. A better route to go is to start writing for a local affiliate first. So what I did was I went to NBC Chicago and I wrote for them weekly. So I'd had a four to 500 word um, column with them on entrepreneurship every week and for free. I just wrote for them every single week for free. And so where, whatever city you're in, there's an ABC, a Fox, an NBC, there's all those local affiliates, go write for them. That's a great idea. They need content, approach them with who are you, why the audience, why will their reader care about the content you have? This is where speaking at conferences can be helpful because <laughs> you can say, oh, I've presented at this conference and this conference and this conference about these topics and I'm a subject matter expert in these topics and this is popular now. The people who read your stuff need to know about these things and I cover those things can I submit some pieces to you? And I always submitted a sample piece right out of the gates. Like, can I submit a piece? So the way that I got, so then I did that with NBC and for several years. And then I approached Forbes and I said, here's 78 articles I've written for NBC. Here's five other publications. These are the yada yada. And I'd like to publish on Forbes. And here's an article I want to publish with you. And they said, no, nope, no, thanks. 
And then I sent another article and I was like, how about this article? <laughs> and they were like, ah, better, but no thanks. And I sent another article and I was like, how about this article? And they finally were like, fine, we'll publish <laughs> that article. And then after that, we just, next thing, you know, next. Yeah, so you have to keep submitting. You just, you can't just give up after one try. And, it, um, and so the ones that do pass the contributor, you know, whatever the test yeah. is in order to be a contributor, what, what, is, what are some common you know, skills that they have? Like, what are they really looking for? Who makes it? So you have to be able to write in a non-opinionated way. So an editorial perspective, you're covering a piece of content, talking about information, not saying that your personal belief statement. So a lot of people write that way, which is fine for a blog. If you're writing for your own blog and you're saying, this is what I think should be happening, that's great. So I think that's one step one is to make sure you're in the right frame, frame set of mind, the mindset of frame, frame, frame of mind, <laughs> um, to be telling that senior editor, who by the way is a trained journalist, that you are, they can feel confident that you can communicate in an effective way. It's helpful if you bring some preloaded people that you wanna cover. So when I switched, it wasn't even easy. I used to write for the CMO channel at Forbes and I wanted to switch to the education channel. I'd been writing for Forbes for five years and they were like, no, nah, I don't really know if that's gonna work. And I was like, I, I, I'm not new. I've been <laughs> around in publishing for a long time. What, what do you mean not gonna work? I, I was kind of shocked. And I realized I hadn't taken my own, like what I know to do best. And so I came back to him again and I said, here's four people in education that I've been in contact with that I want to go interview. And they were like, oh, you're going to interview those people? Great. We'll, we'll switch you over. And I thought, well, of course that makes sense. Like, so when you go to approach these people, even your local affiliate, it'd be smart to say, these are people that I've identified that I want to go interview to cover about this subject matter. Yeah. And then for me, being a journalist, honestly, the eyeballs are great and I love the the people getting to to get the exposure that way and it's nice to be able to say that you do it it's opened up some some opportunities at conferences to go speak and stuff which is great the interviews that I've gotten out of being a journalist are far better connections in my opinion for me so for yeah. me that's what really has been the biggest advantage is it like I interviewed Tony Shea from Zappos the CEO from Zappos for NBC nine years ago. I we stayed in, yeah, we stayed in contact ever since. And then I'm launching a new podcast for education that's featuring entrepreneurs. And I said, hey, Tony, can I interview you? And he's like, well, what date frames are you thinking? So the fact that I was able to email Tony's personal email address and have him email me back and say, well, when's the date range that you may want to do this and we'll see if we can make it work. That, that to me is worth way more than the 10 or 15,000 views that I get on an article that I publish. Yeah, definitely. And you just made me realize, I mean, when you're an agency owner, you, you have to also consider yourself a brand journalist. So you are the journalist within your company. You're, you're the voice of your company. So by going out and getting some sort of a journalism position you know, where you're a columnist or a writer, whether it's with the local affiliate or with your industry association, you know, that's your as an agency owner and you're trying to build your brand, that is your, you're switching, you know, switching gears yeah. like that. And that's how you 
you know, make those relationships. That's a great example. We started to build our agency. So I'd already been a journalist for a little while once we started to build our marketing agency. Mm -hmm. And so I immediately reached out to Rand Fishkin at Moz and mm -hmm. said, hey, Rand, I'd like to interview you for NBC. And he said, great. And so we pitched <laughs> up with him at the conference and interviewed Rand. And the next thing I know, I know Rand. And now I know Rand's like people who hang out with Rand and I'm getting connection and I'm sitting down with people who are a little further ahead of us where we were at the time agency-wise mm -hmm. or a lot further ahead of us at the time too. And so I was building connections and relationships with people that were gonna help, we were gonna help each other in the long run. Mm -hmm. And I was able to get the introduction and the foot into those doors, sometimes through being a journalist and covering someone and just continuing to, to you know get to know them as time goes on. And that's really valuable. Yeah, that's awesome. What about, um, you know, some ways to get creative and thinking of different angles? Like, you know, I, I know that I have clients say to me, well, I don't really know if anything newsworthy is happening for us to really like write a press release. And, you know, how do you how do you identify newsworthy things within your company and or how would you suggest the process for that? Yeah, two two things that I would say about that. Number one, remember what's you're in the weeds. So there likely is something more interesting and more innovative than you are even thinking about. So if you're talking to other people and colleagues and you know you're on Facebook groups or you're you know on these sorts of, of meetings and then somebody says something, you're like, oh, we're doing that. And they find that interesting, worth exploring. Like mm -hmm. you maybe didn't notice that it was as interesting. Like like the phrase is what's common to me may not be common to everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's that's important. That's what you're trying to find. What's common to me, but other people don't know right. necessarily. Right. So you probably have way more of that than you you think. Um, number two is don't be the one to have to drive the interesting content. Be the one providing the analysis of the interesting content. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to have been the one that just dropped the mega awesome bomb of whatever cool thing you just did. You can be the one who says, let me unpack that for you. So-and-so just dropped blank. Let me help you understand what that means from my perspective. So as a marketing person, um, you know, the Super Bowl like four years ago or five years ago, some attorney in Florida ran an ad where he was like lighting the whole thing on fire and he had like, he was like pulling an ax and he had a sledgehammer he's taken to a gravestone. It was like this crazy sensational ad and the guy didn't have a mobile website. And so I was thinking like, if you're watching the Super Bowl and you're actually interested in this person's content, what are the odds you're gonna go break out your laptop or go to your desktop and go look them up? You're gonna Google them right there and then you're gonna go straight to their website. And if they don't have a mobile friendly website, you are bouncing, no question about it. Yeah. And I thought, here's an interesting piece. I can write a piece that says, everyone's talking about this awesome commercial, you know, cause this is, I was in legal. So I was like, everybody's talking about this awesome commercial from advertising perspective. What they're missing is he missed the last mile because he wasn't going to be, he's not going to be able to convert on it because we know that 50, over 50% 50 of your traffic comes from mobile devices at the time. And, you know, so we had all the analytics to back it up. And that was a really compelling piece for me to pitch, not because I did anything compelling, but because I talked about what somebody else did that was interesting. Yeah, that actually reminds me, I'm going to do a shout out for Brandon, who's one of the members. Um, he submitted his first um, piece to be published this week and he, Nice. Yeah. So he, this is, you're going to love this story. So I don't know if you heard about Facebook, um, about CrossFit broke up with Facebook and decided that they're not going to be participating oh, in Facebook advertising. And they, I think they deleted their Facebook page. 
So this just happened like right before uh, Memorial Weekend. So Brandon kind of jumped on that trending story and wrote, you know, kind of like unpacked it. Like, okay, does it really make sense to not do Facebook advertising because and not do, you know, have your Facebook page running? Like, what are the pros and cons? And like, here's what brands don't understand. And I, I just thought it was like such a great, you know, get out the door type of, of um, piece to tie into something that's trending that, you know, here's, here's really why you should, here's really what you should think about this, right? Yeah, no, that's a perfect example of a great way to, to, um, you know, piggyback onto a story that's already growing. Or you created the story when you deleted your Facebook page, your Facebook um, profile, right? And like you wrote about it on LinkedIn, but you're back on Facebook now. But that was, um, you know, something kind of dramatic and you documented it and it got a bunch of coverage. Yeah, I got interviewed by all sorts of outlets and stuff because they're like, oh my gosh, this person speaks about social media and they just deleted their Facebook account. Why? And, you know, so yeah, there's, you can, you can set yourself up. So that's more campaign style, right? So there's the, what do I know that's really interesting that, that I should share? There's what is somebody else doing that's interesting that I can cover? And then there's the, how do I plan something that I can then go cover myself? Right. <laughs> so in, instead of me hoping someone else will cover it, what kind of event thing can I do? So like, I'm, and I'm thinking about that constantly with our, our project is I'm like, what's something that I can go do that I can then turn around and say, wow, this thing was crazy or this thing was amazing. Um, or this thing was disruptive, whatever that is yeah. for you. And you can plan those things out um, to the point where like, I even set aside budget dollars to prepare to advertise, you know, those article links. And like, I will advertise for another publication just to get them more views on my article. We have a question here, actually. Yeah. Hey, hey, Andy. So Andy's saying, this is fascinating, Lisa and Jabez, and amazing coincidence since I provide marketing services to the education sector. Awesome. Jabez, did you say you started an education podcast? I'd love to listen. And what's the name of the podcast, please? So tell us about it. More, tell us more about it and any tips you can give to um, to Andy here. Yeah, I think Andy and the whole audience, um, podcasting is a fantastic medium to share content. Um, particularly if you're nervous about writing, podcasting can be a good place to start. Um, kind of getting the chops around getting content out there and producing it. Um, the two sides of podcasting is to be a guest on somebody else's show, which I highly recommend you do reach out to people. And, and as Lisa mentioned early on, right, there's those mega podcasting stars. It takes some time before you can do that. Um, but reaching out to people that, that you can say, Hey, I listen to your podcast a lot. Um, you know, if you ever need more content or a guest, let me know the podcast that I'm starting is 26.1. Um, and it's the last, uh, getting over the finish line for education. Wait, repeat so that because you, you cut out for a second. So it's 26.1 and it's about getting um, over the finish line with education. And so it's all about what kind of innovation can we bring to education? Um, you know, and so we're, we're launching late this summer. And so I'm doing a huge series of interviews, um, you know, recording ahead of time. I, I prefer to record 10 podcasts in the bank. It makes life a lot easier on you if you're starting a podcast. Um, you know, it's going to be a short run, probably 20 to 30 minute per episode once a week. Um, podcast that is not with educators. So if you're going to start a podcast, I would recommend um, getting outside of the mainstream of what everybody else is doing in your industry. So in my industry now, I could do a podcast where I interview other educators and talk about education and how can we innovate education. And that would be interesting, but there's already like half a dozen podcasts 
that do just that. Yeah. But there are no podcasts in my space that interview successful people that have nothing to do with education about what they think we can do to improve K-12. And so I thought, oh, this would be an interesting way for me to get in front of people who are not already engaged directly in education, but that may be future donors of our school, maybe future people that can introduce us to other people for who might provide value or, or resources or volunteer work or whatever. So it gives us a different way to capitalize on a new market that isn't being currently um, tackled in the education space. 26.1 is just a play on the marathon. Yeah. Just 26.2 miles. So yeah. It's the, yeah, that's great. Congratulations. And the, the URL was available. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're just joining us, feel free to ask any questions in the comments. Um, my, my name is Lisa Byer. Hopefully you know me. And um, I'm, my guest is Jabez. And Jabez is a journalist. And he was a former agency owner. And now he's turned into um, starting his um, new gig in the education space. So thank you, Jabez, for, for being my guest so far. Um, so just a couple other questions. Um, on, um, I was going to ask you about, wait, I just forgot what I was going to ask you. There was something that you were saying that I was like, oh, I have to ask them that question um, on something with branding. So, oh, I know what it was. Okay. So you wrote a book and I wrote a book and yes. that process of writing a book is very tedious and like not my favorite process, but writing a book and what does that do from a public relations and branding standpoint? So for me, I mean, it definitely, you know, gave me a ton of credibility from a branding standpoint, got me, you know, open the doors and also um, was, I was able to use it as a marketing piece for my agency. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, I talk to somebody, a prospect on the phone and, or have a email conversation and meet them. The next follow-up is my book. And that's like immediate credibility. That's like the best investment I ever made. Just, you know, forget a brochure or forget, you know, oh, yeah. even, even like a you know major investment in a website. It's like, a, for me, my book was priceless. What, what do you think? Oh, no question about it. In fact, if you're wondering on my bookshelf in the back here, if I am so bad that I actually have, I think I do hiding somewhere back there, actually have the copies of our book. We, our first book sucked. <laughs> um, it, it was hardback. It was, we, we margins were a little bigger on the sides. We went 1.25 spacing and like, we tried to, to try to get more pages and try to extend it a little bit. Um, and to be honest, when I read it, now I'm like, this is embarrassing. At the time, people were like, oh my gosh, like this is so useful. Like, thank you so much for writing this book. And, I, and now I'm like, I can't believe that they, but again, what I knew to be common knowledge to me, to them was all new information. Yeah. And it was weird. We get compliments. Somebody was like, oh my gosh, you know, what's really useful is that your margins are wider so I can take notes. And yeah. I was like, not the intent, oh, but okay. I'll take yeah. it. Great. Uh, and so, but then, you know, we, we eventually, I, I, I kept publishing and, and, and had several books. Now there's no question about it that even self-publishing is a major credibility builder Yeah. from if you want to get press. Mm -hmm. So if you want to reach out to journalists and you can say like, and then avoid the, sometimes it gets cheesy. Like, I think it's a little played out now where people are like best selling author, best selling on Amazon and that little category. And, and I'm guilty as charged. Like we did that. We played that game for sure yeah. at the beginning. I would say that you don't need to do that. I don't think anybody is more wowed by the fact that it's an Amazon number one bestseller as they are about the fact that you have a book. Right. The fact like that, that you wrote that's, a book that's is, the weight. Yeah. Rock star. Fact, I think your book's actually. Wait, I'm going to grab, I have to just show Both you copies. my visuals. Hold on. Yeah. Go, go, go. 
but yeah, so I guess we'll leave you in your book. Um, I re recorded mine via audio, had it transcribed, this and then so went funny. in and edited it from there, which for me made it a lot easier. Um, I think Lisa, if I'm not mistaken, you wrote your book the old-fashioned way, Key yeah, Fingers on so, Keys. So I self-published. So this was version, this is the first version. See, yep. this is the first edition. And now um, here is the fourth edition. <laughs> See how thick it is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... I'm not writing a fifth edition. So if anybody hears me talking about it, remind me that I said this because, but it's, it's painful writing it, but I can't tell you, like, I felt like, you know, the first book I wrote, the reason why I wrote it was because I just got sick of like repeating the same things to, to people. It was such an educational process. I have such a different angle combining public relations with social media with SEO. So I just like, okay, I'm going to take, basically I took like some of my best performing blog posts and turned it into a book. And, you know, self-published the first book and, you know, actually people liked having such a light read. Now they're, they get my, the fourth edition and they're just like, whoa, that's like really thick. How many pages is that fourth one? It's, that's got to be like 300 pages. It's 378 pages. Oh yeah. So. But we did these I, like cool things where we made like yeah. really notes. Yeah. Things that you can use and, and which is great. I, I think, so my next book, I'm trying to get into 180, 160 or 180 pages. And how many um, words is that? I think that's 55,000 words. Yeah, so I'm, I'd, I'm to, writing, I'd have to double check. I'm writing Digital Detox Secrets. I really am finishing it this month. And I'm like worried that it might be too many pages. Like it's, it seems like it's going to be a lot. So it's like some, it's like the example of like, when are you going to say it's enough? Like, you know, yeah. you're always trying to make it better. But like other people, like this first edition, if I never did another edition, it would be probably okay. But I'm done is better perfect. than perfect. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and that is more true with books. And I think that people don't, they, a, they think I don't have a book that should be written because the book's already been written. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, especially agency owners are like, why would I write a book? There's a million books about digital marketing agency. You're missing the point of why you have a book. Yeah. You don't have a book because you're trying to get into Barnes and Noble. You have a book because you want to use that to get into other things, speaking right. engagements, reaching out to journalists in the media as the author on the topic to closing more deals. When I would be going head to head against a competitor, I would drop casually like, oh, did they, I would love to see the book that they wrote on the topic. Yeah. And, and you know, always, always the, the prospect was like, oh, I don't think that they published a book. And I'm like, oh, well, you're holding my book right now, right? Because I mailed it to you already. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I am. And I was like, okay, well, then you tell me why this is a question about who you should be working with. And it works every time. Yeah, it works every time. Yeah. Every time for sure. So I self-published. Did you guys, you had a, a publisher. How was that process, right? We, okay. You self We owned the publisher. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we, we, <laughs> so the, the secret is that we actually own Legal Technology Press. Okay. Which is the publisher who published our book. Okay. Perfect. So we invited other people who had legal books to publish under Legal Technology Press for free mm -hmm. to give Legal Technology Press a broader book base mm -hmm. uh, from multiple authors and they loved it because we said oh we'll get your ISBN number in your library of congress which was just like a form online for each mm -hmm. of those like that's not hard to do mm -hmm. um, and then you can use our stamp and say you're published by our publisher and then Mark and I owned Legal Technology Press mm -hmm. um, so for me that was a better route to go than um, you know it, it's not bad to self-publish no know? I think the route that I went is more along the lines of what you did except I didn't own the publisher so I went through a company called you know if anybody's looking for a company to to use to help you get published they're not 
technically a publisher, but they're called Jet Launch. And nice. they, you know, basically once my manuscript was done, I handed it over to them. They helped me with the design. They did, a, you know, all the formatting and they did an edit. You know, they weren't, you know, like, you know, a hard sure. editor, but they went and proofed it. And so it was, it's awesome because it takes but, all of the, like, pain out of. Oh, my gosh. Publishing. Worth every cent. No yeah. question about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we went a different route that was harder. I would recommend to most people do exactly what you did. Yeah. Find, find that coming. What is it called? Jet, jet, jet launch. Jet launch. Yeah. yeah. Cause they'll, they'll put it on Amazon for you probably. Yeah, and they'll probably they like, it, they, they do, they do all this, all the yeah, stuff you don't want to try to figure it, out. And I mean, you know, they put it through not just um, Amazon, they put it on all the different online, like um, Barnes and Noble. And there's a couple others that, that they did. And it, it was great. Like I really didn't have to do anything and I get checks each month deposited straight into my yeah. bank account. You know, it's not like I'm going to retire off of it or anything, but you know, so a couple, you know, spa treatments and <laughs> <laughs> uh, things like that. Um, so let me see if we have any other questions. Um, so somebody's saying, I can't see who it is. I think it's Andy Jabez. Congrats on the podcast and I look oh, nice. forward to it. So thank, thank you. you. But yeah, a, a book is a huge PR push. So I, I'm glad we, we talked about that. And if, are there any other tips it, you have about that? Um, on, I would say, you know, if you can't publish a book, try to publish something that is a comp compilation of the content you have published. So you probably should be writing at least on your blog. And yeah. so I look back, um, you know, GNGF, my agency that I used to own, we had, you know, hundreds of blog posts that we turned into like little white papery type of pamphlets. They, they were like pamphlet, pamphlets that we were like, oh, this is our SEO, all of our best SEO articles and how, and you can see how SEO has changed over time. And then we just used those and we would bind them up or send them as an ebook. Um, we always offered both. So we always offered the ebook and the paperback or hardback, depending on uh, where we were at in our publishing. Um, we would give them away for free at events. So if I was speaking in an event that was full of my target audience, um, the biggest like takeaway that lesson we learned was we had a, I used to slub like boxes and boxes of books to give away. Mm -hmm. um, then what we started to do is we realized a third of the audience wanted eBooks. So we hand out a form that they could request paperback or eBook. And it was free on that form. They had to give us their name, oh, their address, okay. yeah. their email. Right. So these became our lead gen forms and we we're closing 98% of a room into our lead gen, which is unheard of in, in, in speaking in the speaking world. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, that was from a sales perspective was a really useful way to use a book. And then I mailed our book to all of the major publications when it came out. Yeah. So I just mailed it to them, yeah. to, to the senior editor and said, Hey, here's a book we, we've published. And I would reference that later when I would reach out to the journalists and say, Hey, mm -hmm. you know, we mailed a book to your office. It's probably in your library. Um, you know, this is, you know, what I think your audience would benefit from. And that's kind of, I, I've said it multiple times, but maybe I haven't said it very clearly, which is when you pitch a journalist, you have to present the information as the add value to their reader. That has Super to be the perspective. Yeah. What is the what is the value that you're providing their reader? They don't care about you. They care about their reader. And so as long as you come at it from that perspective, you're you're way better off. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, definitely the book, we can sit here and talk about a book for, for PR and different ways to slice it and dice it. I mean, Guy Kawasaki wrote, I can't remember which book it is, but one of his books, every single chapter was, a, was a, one of his past blog posts. He just yeah. 
turned it into a book. So it's not, if he can do it, I mean, I kind of did it, you know, it's, yeah. you, can, you can create an ebook like overnight from your past blog posts. So um, I don't see any more questions and Jabez, I just want to thank you so much. If yeah, we have course. any questions, I'm going to go ahead and put your contact info um, in the comments and should I put LinkedIn or? Yeah, LinkedIn yeah, is yeah. great. Or, uh, okay, yeah. I'm pretty active there. Okay, great. So thank you everybody and have a great night. Thanks, Jabez. And we'll catch up um, online on social. Great. Bye. See you, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.